My allergies are killing me. I know. Every morning I have to take a pill. So do I, but it's not for that. Welcome to Gay Talk 2.0, the ultimate podcast for your dose of dish. Good evening, ladies and gents. Welcome back to another episode of Gay Talk 2.0, an LGBT podcast. We are streaming live on gaytalk20.com forward slash live stream. Today's episode is brought to you at 5.30 instead of 6 p.m. We decided to go live a little earlier. I hope you don't mind, but you can always catch the replay afterwards. Um, we just figured it's so beautiful outside. We want to get out there after the show and enjoy a little bit of the uh, allergies. The allergies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, my name is Tom and I'm, as always, I'm your host and, and sitting with me in the studio are my amazing friends, starting with the first one. Hey, y'all, Nick or Trish. And Jay Bear, a.k.a. your boyfriend's boyfriend. And I want to thank you all for joining us on today's episode. We've got a great show for you today. Um, you know, there's going to be soapboxes and, you know, a little bit of warm moments, a lot of things, uh, but a lot of things going on. But before we jump into all the fun stuff, we want to talk about uh, a little bit. Oh, I'm on that camera now. Sorry. Um, yeah, we got our cameras back up, which is great. Oh, I um, love it. <laughs> We had a little mishap last week, and I was like, oh, God, this is not going to happen before showtime, so I'm not going to deal with it. But here we are. Um, yeah, no, I'm just going to do a quick roundtable. How we doing? What have we been doing for the past uh, week? And uh, then we'll move into some of what we've got. So you're it, Jay. How are you, my darling? Good. Not bad. A uh, little bit of pain, but yeah, it is what it is. Uh, mm. Decent weekend. Busy Mother's Day, spending with mom and that's right, girls, and so was on my feet for quite a bit. So, <laughs> so at this point, all of your girls, meaning your daughters, yes. um, because they are your daughters, regardless if they're you know, yep. how would I say, genealogically yours or not, biologically, uh, biologically, genealogy, you know what I meant, biologically, yeah. they're yours. They're yours. Yeah. They're your your kids. Um, they are all mothers now. All but one. All but that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, the youngest one. Three, no, Ro- what? She's not the youngest one. No, she always. I always thought that she was the youngest. No, Chastity's the youngest. Oh, nice. Roxy, Roxy's number yeah. three in the line. Number three. <laughs> number okay, three. and she has no kids. No, she sees all the BS her sisters I go am. through with their ex men, and she's like, "No, that that ain't for me." I'm good. I'll pass. Yeah, she makes her appointments, and she's like, "I got a friend coming over." I'll be like, "All right," <laughs> and that's that. Baby girl, I'm so yeah, proud I of you. I told her, "Do you fuck that? You don't have to. <laughs> no, right. don't stop living by those constraints of you know all this bullshit. Men do it. You can do it too. And that's right. Society so, says, "Hey, you have to have no. I don't have no. to do anything, but just be gay and die gay." Yeah. So that's it. She has her fun. That's good. That's it. So, so, yeah. so overall it was, it was a it was smooth a good, weekend. Yeah, it was good mother's day. So the girls came, well, Saturday we went to my daughter Debbie's house because mm-hmm. part of the family was supposed to go to New York city to visit my in-laws. Mm-hmm. That changed Sunday Quickly. morning somehow. Yeah. yeah. So we went to my oldest daughter's house on Saturday and we hung out with the kids and, 
you know, ordered in and just kind of chilled and had a nice time together. And then Sunday morning, you know, I picked up mom like I normally do. And then my brothers, my two brothers and their wives showed up from New York and, you know, the rest of the family kind of slowly congregated to my house and spend the day there just hanging it out. always ends up at your house yeah, like yeah, i feel yeah. like that's just like the place to be <laughs> yeah so so you know but that's just, interesting yeah, they, so, who who want it who won't want to come over and just be fed all i all i do is sit in the kitchen cook and keep throwing food out so why don't i yeah. ever get invited to these <laughs> right it's like i love food yeah, it's because yeah. you're building something all the time <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so um let me ask you a question uh since you know we're talking about mother's day daddy's day is coming around the corner yeah to all my daddies out there you know who you are hey um how how is it um how is it with your girls and and daddy's day good actually they 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 come through they come through they come through um they do good by you get you all your camping stuff and all the good things crap i want they're already asking me what do you want (laughs) so Mm. What do you want for your like, next vacation? Yeah, yeah, like the next, <laughs> like the day after Mother's Day. What do you want? <laughs> what do you want to do? So that's not for the most part. They usually will come. Through. Well, that's good. It's rarely good. when when something doesn't happen. But even if it's something small, I appreciate it. I don't mind. That's always awesome, though. Yeah. You know, it's always good when you know because you've you and 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 the misses have been together for well over thirty years. Yeah. 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 It's it's so, insane. Yeah. So when when we time flies when you're on Prozac. Yeah, when we <laughs> when we dated, Chastity wasn't born yet. Mm. Chastity's thirty three now. Wow! So, wow! So. That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. And Trish, how are you? <laughs> Funny story about Trish, um, if I may. If I, can can I share? I so he I walks in today, and That's I'm like, a- and he's like, oh my god! I asked him about my niece. And uh, and he's like, oh, you know, my niece, she's doing fine. She's got an ear infection. I'm like, oh, well, why don't you just pour some Zymax in her ears? And she goes like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, this, you know, when my dogs get an ear infection, I just you pop Zymax. You didn't say my dogs. Oh, you did. You what, did. You my did. babies, you, well, I, said, I think I said my babies. When my babies, you know, get an ear infection, I just put some Zymax in there. And voila, it's gone. And somehow we like didn't sort of kind of like really connect on what we were talking about. I was talking about my niece, Raleigh, which is, you know, the dog. And he was talking about Demi Goddess. So how did that go? Well, I just said, I, I just looked at you like blank in the face. And I was like, well, she's not a dog. Like, you can't just put that in her ear. Right. That's and, you were, so and you just looked at me and I'm like, what? I was like, I'm... But, but like for some context, previously, <laughs> previously, I had mentioned that my brother, I saw my brother this mm-hmm. morning. Uh-huh. And so we talked a little bit about my brother and, you know, the family, whatever. And then, you know, maybe like five, 10 minutes later, he asked me about his niece. And I was like, oh, well, you know, she's got an ear infection. And, and then he's like, well, you should use this. I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. She's not a dog. <laughs> <laughs> 
Gotcha. <laughs> but we finally connected. We finally like became synced with one, and he finally understood who I was talking about. I was talking about my niece Raleigh, mm-hmm. my baby girl, the yep. doggy that I love so much because she's such a sweetheart. And um, yeah, Zymox for her, but she doesn't need it evidently. But Demi, on the other hand, yeah, she's getting tubes. Oh wow, is it that bad? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Usually has to do a lot with moisture, so. Well, I kind of think part of it is Chris has little ears, mm. and Lindsay has a big head, <laughs> and so the baby has a big head and little ears, and compensating. So I, think I can't. I, the fluid just can't get out. <laughs> oh my god! I hope he doesn't hear this. Please oh, don't. No, kill I've him. already said it to them. Like, <laughs> no, well, that's understandable. But she is gorgeous, though. <laughs> She's adorable. I love her. And aside from that, how are you? How has your uh, week been since the last time we were on air? It's been good. It's been busy. I mean, you know, I've just got a lot going on. Um, some cool stuff coming up for gala, which is exciting. That's always good. Yeah, I still have to get my suit. Uh, She's got to get moving on that. I'm getting fitted tomorrow, so. Oh. Did, did you confirm that with Steven? Oh, we did. We did. <laughs> we we finally settled that. I was like, I am invited, right? Speaking of Speaking that of, asshole. Hey, be nice. I love him, but I She's hate him. busy. No. So <laughs> he does a lot of catering for the theater. Uh-huh. And yesterday. Well, that's a way to treat the guy that serves you food. <laughs> right? <laughs> But anyway, so yesterday, he, my brother is coming to the theater for a meeting Uh for his company. Uh um, And the guy that he was meeting with is also the guy that does a lot of the catering ordering. And so he was on the phone with Steve after we booked the catering. And Steve was like, oh, you get to meet the hot brother tomorrow. And then he's about to die. And then Matt told me, and I may have thrown a chair. Or two. Or, two. Just or a one. desk. Just one, not at a person. Of course, at a the theater. <laughs> and, then, and then I called Steve and I just like, I was like, you're in trouble. <laughs> and he doesn't understand why, usually. And I told him and he wouldn't stop laughing. I'm like, you're a fucking I love dick. it. But I will tell you so, you're a very beautiful person and a very not beautiful right soul. And you're gorgeous. So get over that shit. But your brother. Is hot. I'm not saying he's not attractive. Um, no, he's but, beyond well, attractive. Trying to he's fuck somebody for how many years, <laughs> and they say, "Oh, you get to meet the hot one." Like <laughs> that's a little <laughs> fucked up. But but that's usually the case, though. I mean, it's usually the case. They always, you know, there's always one that you know. I don't know. Won the gene pool. Although I don't know if I don't know. We both have qualities. He he yeah. has qualities, and I have qualities. Yeah. He's shorter. I'm taller. I always told you he should have married me. Yeah, you heard it here first, but you know, that <laughs> heard didn't it here first, but, first and foremost. Yeah. No, and then in no, other but, news, what's really exciting in my life? Uh-huh. Um, Moving on from the hot one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, love you, Chris. Um, <laughs> I paid off all my debt this past week. I'm proud of you. Very proud yeah, of you. Yeah, it was feels good, doesn't it? When you call and they're like, "You no, want to make a payment?" You know, you know, it doesn't. It feels good, yes, but it also feels like. Hold you're, on. You're missing something. Yes. I'm like, I'm missing something. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I don't have to like pay something. You know, when I mean? you get that email that says, you know, your, your current 
invoices available and you go look at it and it says zero, it's going to feel so good. No, I know. It's it, gonna it really does. It was, I mean, not everybody can do that. I was really lucky to have the opportunity to pay everything off. It wasn't a lot. It was only a couple thousand dollars, but that is a lot. Mm. Um, but it, it, it was like, holy fuck. Thank yeah. God. Yeah, no, it's 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 a really good feeling, and I'm happy for think, you. Like you can save now, so you know during the next party, you're you're definitely making sure you bring several hefty Look, bags. This bitch, I told her earlier <laughs> that I paid off my debt this week, and then I had bought her a couple things when I before coming over at the store, and she paid me in cash, and she was like, "Give me my money back." I want my money back. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like "No." <laughs> I want all of it back now, but I'm happy for you. It's it's a good feeling. I've done it several times in the past couple of years where I've been, you know, fortunate enough to be able to say, okay, you know what? I want to pay my debt off and I go in and I, you call the company. I need to, you know, make a payment. Oh, well, how much do you want to pay? All of it. Well, yeah. here's the thing is like, you know, I, you know, my dad was always really fiscal, <clears throat> fiscally responsible, um, which is why he's a, uh, a <laughs> uh, Republican? Eh, he's more of an independent. Yeah. But, but he voted for Trump. Everybody's yeah. in a lot of mistake. Yeah. <laughs> well, Twice. He also Twice. likes DeSantis, but we'll get into that later. Whoa. Oh, anyhow. <laughs> um, moving forward. But anyway, yeah. you were saying. No, but so it was like pounded into me as like a, a younger kid. Like, you got to save, you got to be financially smart. But like, I also will acknowledge that I'm privileged and I come from a place where if I ever needed to lean on somebody, I knew I could. Right? right. And so I made a lot of financial mistakes when I was younger and that affected my credit. And I'm still feeling that, you know, still trying to like <laughs> dig out of that. And now that I finally feel like I can, I've dug out of that. It's like, I don't know how to describe how important it is to anybody who's younger listening to this podcast Credit fucking matters. It, it really sure fucking matters. What's sad is that they don't make it part of your curriculum in mm-hmm. school. Yeah. I think Which, you're right. I think that there should be an opportunity for you to learn about financial stuff in school. How to balance a checkbook. Something yeah. as simple as that. Dude, I had somebody, I literally saw a check the other day. They didn't know how to fill it out. Yeah. <laughs> I, and this person was older than me. So I will tell you a story. I think we covered this story on the show uh, before. I'm going back like six years ago. So you remember when Common Core math was a thing? Like they were making it such a big thing. Like, you know, oh, you want to teach Common Core math and it's you got to do this and draw this square and this one and move this number here and there and blah, blah, blah. And we who learned math, you know. Two times two equals four. Six times six is 36. You know, it's like you learn your time. Nine times nine. 49. 99. Crush. Whoa. No, let me stop. <laughs> nine times nine. Who's the intern today? <laughs> um, no, so the thing is, no, nine times nine is not 49. Yes, it is. It is? Yes. No. Yes. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Seven times seven is 40. Nine times nine is not 49. Nine, nine times, times nine. 57? It's 81. Oh, 
I was closer. Seven times seven. Well, you know, seven times seven is 49? Yeah, seven times seven equals 49. Yeah, that's what it was. Anyway, so we learned our math the old way. I you asked know. for checks with zeros on the end now, okay? You're, I don't need to know that shit. You're one yeah. times, you're two times. Round that up. You're three times, your multiplication tables. You learned all of that shit. And they have these kids like drawing fucking squares and triangles and put a number here and then you move it over here. So one of the parents got really sick and tired of like trying to decipher their children's homework because it wasn't the same that he went and wrote the tuition check in common core math and handed it into the school and they couldn't understand it. And they're like, what is this? Well, this is what you're teaching my child. I wrote the check in common core math and guess what? The bank won't fucking cash it. Teach my child something that will actually function in real life. Yep. That's brilliant. Brilliant. I thought it was hilarious. I, so. I, the short stint that I worked in <laughs> the short stint that I worked in, in in the charter high school, what I did appreciate about that program was that uh they used Monopoly, the game Monopoly, to teach the kids about money finance and right. money how to save how to rent what you know and, it, and it basically they taught them how to be an adult you know once you're out of school right. you have these responsibilities coming up you got to pay rent mm-hmm. you got to pay your bills right. you got and it it became part of their semester of teaching you know and it, I, I i'm thankful because my daughters when they did attend the school that was part of their curriculum right. so they had some financial literacy mm-hmm. When they left high school, have they made good choices? Not exactly, because they well, kind of I mean, splurge, splurge, splurge. You, you, know, you learn and you shoes, take but, what, what you yeah. need in life. But Roxanne has been one that she's been on point yeah. ever well, since. I mean, when it comes to credit, outside of your personal life, it can affect your professional life. Yeah. Like, if you have bad credit... You uh, a lot of jobs you get background checks on, yeah. and if you have bad credit and you're working in finance or really, <laughs> that was a fucking terrible angle. I know. Just, anyway, you were saying just saying like you get background checks done. Oh my god, this this conversation's over. Just check your fucking credit. <laughs> like, make sure you're not doing anything stupid. So don't he, spend money you don't have. Here's here's that's, the thing. That's I, the problem. I, I think there's three. Cr- critical things that you must learn as part of your school curriculum if you are, for example, a student in high school. One, how to balance a checkbook. Two, learn about how to, for example, manage a Roth IRA, right? If as a, uh, a very young person, you learn how to invest just that little bit of time, five to 10 years from the age of 21 all the way through 30 could be the difference between you having $500,000 in your uh, investment account for your retirement or having three or four or even seven point, like $7 million, mm-hmm. 10 years. And we don't teach that in school. And I think that that is one of our, our faults as, as a society and, and as, a, as a, an educational system that we are not taking the time to teach important lessons in life at a very young age so that they can then progress and see those tangible, you know, like 
wow, I did this at a very young age and this is my reward. Mm -hmm. And by the time you get to that age where you can't even wipe your own ass, you have money to pay people to do that for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, so. you're not wrong. yeah, I mean, but look at look at our educational system, right? It, it's 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 said time and time again, you know, schools were were set in place to teach people how to learn to go into factory jobs initially. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So the whole process of you know, people were pretty much homeschooled right. for many years. And then went on and they started their own businesses and then the factories came into play and then, you know, people had no education. The whole, you know, breakfast, lunch and dinner, that wasn't an option before. Before, back in the day, you ate leftovers in the morning. There was no such thing as eggs Mm -hmm. and and, and omelet and vegetables and toast in the morning. I want to know what era you grew up in. Dude. I had eggs every single morning of my life. My mother made sure of that. <laughs> Hard boiled, yeah. fried. Well, but, you know. Yeah, no, that's that's in our time. But right. prior to that. Oh, of course. You know, so, you know, like they've said, the school system was set up so that, you know, you're teaching people how to work on a schedule. You have X amount of time to do X amount of work. And by the time you graduate high school, you were going into a factory setting. Or a job where you were right. pretty much doing the same thing. It's a scheduled setup. And I think education has evolved based on, for example, um, the trend at the time. And mm-hmm. so people who were growing up in the 1900s got an education that was more conducive to, for example, the industrialized um, movement. Yeah. Right. A lot of factories, a lot of industrialization of, you know, mass producing, whether it's in the food industry or whether it's in the candy industry or it's, you know, um, the railroad system. Right. When you think about the Vanderbilt family and you think about all of these other like different things that happen at the turn of the 20th century. Right. Because I don't know. This conversation went. No, but I'm just saying, you know, it's I think the education evolves as the need for different types of lifestyles. Um, come into play, right? Well, you know what I think we need to refocus on right now? What? When it comes to education. I mean, yes, credit, obviously, because we talked about it, but empathy. I agree. I don't think, I think, you know, with everything going on in the world right now, I think that there are certain places where it's, you know, it starts at home and hate is something that's taught. Mm-hmm. It's not something that's, um, instilled in you when you're when you're born. You know She's what I mean? right. And so, if you're at home and you are continually forced to learn hate, you're gonna carry that through your life. Right. And so, I think that what's going on in the world scares me because I think empathy right now is the most important thing we need to be teaching right. kids. And I, I think the human kids. condition too yeah, has need, a lot to play in that. I, I want to know about your story. I want to know who you are because I want to know, you know, you know, I don't want to hold a prejudice that I don't understand. Right. But see, here's the problem. A lot of people nowadays live in silos. Politically, we live in silos. Culturally. Culturally, we live in silos. Even and in therefore, local communities. Right. And therefore, it's very hard for you to learn about something else if you're never exposed to it. But. But. That's why but, I do what I do. But. <laughs> right. No. But, you know, in the end, that's why we have public schools and that's why we have um you know, a system in where different kids who have been 
um, not so fortunate to be able to go to private school, for for example, have an opportunity to be exposed to different cultures, different people. And this is why it's very important to keep, first of all, religion out of schools, to keep, um, you know, the bigotry that we're seeing nowadays proliferate through a lot of school systems in many different states you have to give them an opportunity to be able to engage their fellow peers their fellow students and learn from those experiences and take with them whatever they need and i feel like adults in the room right now are trying to make those decisions for our kids 100 i mean like i feel like adults in adults in power mm-hmm. are trying to take away all of the progression that we've made currently. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, adults are not adults. But I'm going to say again, people in power that have an agenda are trying to make some type of mark to set us back in a way. Right. I mean, to the extent at which like when we look at what we're learning in schools or when we look at what we're teaching our kids and what we're sharing on media and social media and what certain, um, uh, buh, buh, like Fox News, help me. Um, networks are sharing. Mm-hmm. They're literally telling a story that are making certain individuals believe in a narrative that's not true. Right. Because we can't erase American history. We can't take what actually was and let's just edit it down so it seems like it was okay. Right. Like we need to embrace. The faults that we've had throughout history, we need to embrace the future that we're moving toward Mm -hmm. and the people that are currently living here. Because, I mean, history serves to allow us to learn from things that we've done in the past and hopefully not repeat them again, right? It's an oxymoron when they say, you know, history tends to repeat itself. It's not an oxymoron. It's a fact. It's a fact, but mainly because... We We don't learn from history. It's not that we don't learn from history. It's because we have individuals in power who tend to try to whitewash what happened in history and have it repeat again because they're trying to bring back something that happened Mm -hmm. in the past that benefited a specific demographic of people and try to make that a reality again when we don't live in that world anymore. But also when you whitewash or desensitize something Mm -hmm. that happened in history – you know, then you forget. You, you do. For, you forget. And 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 the short term the short term memory loss of not of having a whitewashed history les- lesson is what causes history to repeat itself. Right. I agree. And all I can say is before we get into this very deep conversation, we've got a uh, a three way self soapbox coming up on um, the second half of the show I wanted to take an opportunity the last five minutes of this half to sort of kind of talk about things that have impacted us in life whether that's movies music or anything really and maybe I'll start so uh, today is May 17th um, in 2012 of uh, May 17th of 2012 one of my all-time favorite artists uh, who I wake up to 
every freaking day. Literally. You don't I've, wake up to her. I do. No, I it's do. like an earthquake in the house. <laughs> in the house, right. <laughs> um, happens. Um, she brought her her music and her as a as an individual brought so much joy to my life and continues to do so even after her death that I wanted to sort of kind of just you know take a moment to acknowledge the fact that Donna Summer existed as an artist as a singer as a human and there was a lot of shit that she had to go through and a lot of shit that you know she said that just wasn't so so kosher um, but her music transcends all of that and. I wanted to acknowledge the fact that she existed and she changed my life with her music. And um, and today I I find myself singing her music. I actually I do that every morning. I wake up to a, this time I know it's for real. Every morning. It's it's on my alarm clock, really. Yeah, That's, yeah, I, I have woken up to her for the past like 15 years. I have a CD that I have of one of her live concerts and it just plays on repeat. Until I finally get out of bed. Nice. The one song that manages to get me out of there is on the radio. And that's it. But anyway. <laughs> so that's me. Um, toss it up to you. Something that um, you absolutely love that has made an impact in your life. Um, I guess it would probably be. I mean, there's a lot. But uh, Rent, when I went and saw it for the first time. Mm. Do you listen to that musical often? Yeah. Does it give you good feelings? I know every word verbatim in that musical and it's like the whole thing is sung i know every single fucking word that's amazing yeah it was the first time when i i was not out yet and i i've told this story on the show but Mm -hmm. it was the first time i i came out to somebody um in the scene where angel dies from aids uh it was the most beautiful scene i'd ever seen and i just looked at my you know babysitter and i was like jill i'm gay and she's like yeah i know <laughs> she's like yeah i knew Duh. that no. Duh. Yeah. No. <laughs> um but that moment um i don't know if it made me like maybe planted the seed of wanting to be you know more of an vocal activist and more woke for lack of better term. Maybe it even led me into wanting to do something like this, where we get to talk about, you know, what's really, you know, going on in the world and what, what matters to us and um, what, what we could do to see change in the world, you know? Oh my God. I have a question for the group later when we start talking about the South, write it down. Are you going to forget? Oh no, she's going to remember. Trust me. (laughs) So um, what about you, Jay? I don't know. That, there's a there's a lot. I mean, you know. <laughs> there's a lot. So what what's something so, that you think about very like often that has you know made a, a very positive impact in your life? What's the comment? <laughs> that it's not pussy. <laughs> no, I was gonna say <laughs> pussy. <laughs> what were you gonna say? No, but <laughs> um, I don't know. My my ADHD doesn't uh, allow me to concentrate on anything for too long. All your acronyms <laughs> like floating in yeah, your brain. Yeah, basically. So, um, no, um, good good uh, subject you brought up, Donna Summers. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, growing up in New York City, heard music, didn't really follow it a lot, right? Until I started working at Partners for Leather Night. <laughs> yeah, and, we had. That's and right. Mike and Mike Begun, who used to run. Uh, the Leather Knights would play Donna Summers religiously. Yeah. He had all her albums, all of it. 
Everything we did had some sort of Donna Summer theme or song incorporated. Um, so I learned a lot of her music yeah. at the bar. Um, so I know when she passed in 2012, he I knew he was going to have a hard time. Oh, girl, I suffered. Was, yeah. You know, I've seen that woman 12 times live. <laughs> so, And every time I was up there, I'm like, on the radio. And screaming at the top of my lungs and people are looking at me like, you know, and because I like to watch a lot of her live stuff, like I could anticipate when she would do a certain, you know, rift using a specific melisma or a specific tone, or I knew when she was going to go up and come down and like people were looking at me like, how did you know she was going to sing it that way? And I was like, because I'm a fan. (laughs) So my memory of Donna Summer because mm. I'm younger obviously I wasn't yeah. a big fan like you guys were but when I lived in Massachusetts there was this little bar in in Lenox called Rumpy's it was gay owned and me and my friends would always go on like Saturdays or Fridays or whatever but no matter oh and we always went to karaoke oh I love karaoke they always had karaoke but no matter what day it was Monday through Sunday mm. The last song of the night was Last Dance. Oh, my God. It's yeah. it's an epic. And we would all get up and just dance like crazy. Like, that was, like, our favorite moment. We are like, oh, shit. Last Dance is coming up. We have to drink and get on the floor. Like, and we would just dance. And it was just such a great time. It's such happy music. Yeah. You know? Yeah. it's To me, that that's always what it, it always represented. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but, you know, she was a ghostwriter for a lot of artists. I mean, she yeah. wrote a lot of music for a lot of different artists. And... You know, um, like, for example, she, she wrote, uh, so the song, she has a song um, that she wrote for Rod Stewart, and um, it's called Dim All the Lights, and she decided that she was going to keep the song, sing it for herself. She had a hit record with it. She never gave it to him, but she, you know, she would always joke around and say, she, he can still sing it if you want to, but if you hear her sing that rendition of how she originally wrote it in a ballad for Rod Stewart, you would be like... Oh my fucking god! Yes, this this song was made for Rod Stewart, and she completely changes it up and adds a, a really amazing beat. And you know, there she goes. Um, you know, she had a hit with it, and a lot of people don't know either that. You know, I read her book. She she wrote a book called Ordinary Girl. How long One did of the it take few you? books that I ever read from cover to cover and never took a nap. <laughs> because i loved her that much um and she went through a lot i mean living in boston living in germany you know she was in the production of hair in 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 europe for many years that's the whole reason why she moved to europe and you know she was a vocalist at the time and she was doing a lot of like background vocals for people and blah whatnot you know just being the writer that she was and she ended up going into a studio just to do warm-up vocals and the person who was there, the the engineer that was recording and the producer recorded her doing her warm-ups. And what she was actually singing was the song Love to Love You Baby, where she's doing a lot of sexual innuendos and oh, love to love you, baby. And they loved it so much, never told her. They actually recorded it, dubbed it, released it in a 17-minute version and shipped it to New York. She didn't even know she was a number one hit artist while she was still in Europe, and her song was literally a hit all over the U.S. 
It's amazing. When she arrived, she was in shock and she was so scared because she she's was, like, where's my fucking check? No, her <laughs> most, because she was moaning and groaning in the song. She was also very religious. Her mother was, you know, extremely religious and she was so concerned about what her mother would actually think about her singing something like that. And in the end, she had no choice but just to embrace it. Mm-hmm. Right. And be the star that she became. But it was all accidental. It wasn't supposed to happen. It's crazy. But it did. Well, and you never know. Yeah. Well, anyway, now you had a little history lesson on one of my favorite yeah. artists of all time. But and, um, and her kids are her kids. I know two of her daughters are actresses. Yeah. And and she lived in Stanford, and, Connecticut yeah, for decades. Yeah. Yeah. She was not too far away. So anyway, um, that being said, we are going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to jump into our um, shared soapbox. So uh, here we go. We are back from the break, and uh, we're going to jump into our dish portion of the show. I'm talking slow because I definitely don't want to speak cursive tonight. Uh, But uh, right now, we're going to move into a conversation that um, over the past couple of years have been the topic of many um, corporations trying to incorporate DE&I along with other institutions like, you know, educational institutions and things and whatnot, because we feel that the conversation behind diversity, equity, and inclusion is one that is important because it gives us an opportunity to, to vocalize as an individual the things that impact you in the spaces that you cover, in the spaces that you um, fill on a daily basis. And it allows for others, one, to learn a little bit about yourself. It, lear- it allows for you to, to bring forth concerns uh, within organizations of things that affect you, that affect your job performance, that affect your life, that affect many things as you move forward through this, you know, this journey that mm-hmm. we call life. And I'm going to open it up to the floor because I think that uh, for us um, as a queer podcast, uh, it is very important to to imagine a life in where we can show up and be our authentic selves on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, I thankfully for us, I believe that we each work for organizations that allow us and give us voices to do that every day. Oh yeah. To be who we are. I mean, I think what, where we need to start is understanding what DEI is, right? Mm-hmm. So DEI is about fostering creativity from mm-hmm. fresh perspectives that otherwise in previous years, many, many years were not given room at the table to share their thoughts, their perspectives and their understanding. Of course. And it's also about people that have been privileged like myself, people that have white privilege like myself to understand why it's important to implement DEI practices because it's about really acknowledging people of different races, abilities, ages, genders, religion, sexual orientation, and all other diverse backgrounds. It's right. not, it's not, it's not an attack on the white man. It's not. It, it's, an, it, it's an attack on what has been created because historically the white man has, has not, 
provided room for, for anyone people. else. Right. And that shift needs to happen and has been happening. And will happen. And is continuing to happen. Right. Even though there's there's a lot of pushback, I think that um, you know, I, I think that the, the pushback mainly is because those that fear um, the conversation or those that fear that they might lose some sort of power in a way, shape or form that they perceive to have had mm-hmm. all along. Uh, and while that may be true for a very long time where people think, hey, you know, we, we are at the top of society and what we say drives what goes. Um, it, it's sort of kind of, well, it it basically isn't the way of mm-hmm. 2023 and, and as we move forward in life. And-, and I think as a gay podcast, we have to not only talk about, you know, equity within the LGBTQ plus community, but we also have to acknowledge that within that community, there are people that are marginalized mm-hmm. within their own community. So right. not only are they marginalized within the LGBTQ plus community, but they're marginalized within their own community. And this past week, I I I had a really powerful. Well, this week actually, a couple days ago, I had a, experienced a really powerful moment. I went to a gala, and Audra McDonald was performing. If you don't know who she is, she is amazing. Uh, Tony Award, Academy Award winner. Like she is literally she embodies what it means to have natural talent she's beautiful and she's just a breath of fresh air but she's also a huge advocate and so this happened on monday and on monday um governor ron DeSantis, the santimonium the santimonium <laughs> or i was actually going to start calling him trump light <laughs> trump light trump light or dis yeah. So, oh, I, okay. so we have we <laughs> have to we have to give credit where credit <laughs> is due. So uh, oh, wait, hold on. Let me just tell my story so it doesn't lose it. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just gonna say Randy Rainbow has a new video about uh, DeSantis or Trump Light, as we call him. We're gonna have it on tonight's post. Make sure that you go check it out. Click on it. It is fucking hilarious, and um, that's all I got to say about that. It, it will be on tonight's post. Continue. So yeah, so I had this moment. So I had I went to this gala and my date to gala was a coworker. This coworker was um uh a person of color. An and amazing, beautiful, talented. gorgeous, intelligent, talented black woman. Yeah, God, that was powerful black woman, and I love her, but anyway, continue. Um <laughs> so you're not wrong, one hundred percent. Um but so we're sitting there and I did not know about this bill at the time. Um, but so he had signed into this, uh, signed a bill that um, actually defunded diversity, equity, inclusion programs at all state universities, um, which he called a distraction from the core mission, hmm. uh, which. Now, what core mission is that? White supremacy? We're going to get there. Um, <laughs> so. Basically, what this means is um, there are what he is calling um, ideology um, education, right? So, so anything where we're teaching fact when it comes to um, uh, African American history mm-hmm. uh, basically needs to be, for lack of a better term, trimmed out. So, like, we're not 
telling the truth about the how gruesome, horrible white people were to black people. Well, about the gruesome history that 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 happened here in America. Right. Um, and he went so far as to say, if you want to do things like gender ideology, go to the University of California, Berkeley. Um, so basically, though he claims that Florida is the education state, which I had never heard before. It is a sunshine state. That is all you're known for. And that is all you're ever going to be known for, darling. Just and sunshine. And That's it. it. Disney, too. Um but literally, <laughs> under <laughs> under the law, Florida universities are barred from spending state or federal funds to promote, support, maintain any programs that advocate diversity, equity, and inclusion, or promote and engage in political or social activism. And so you fundraise. You go out there as a student, you go out there as a teacher, and you fundraise that money, and you do what you got to do to fight this bigot. One hundred percent. That's all you got to do. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Send us a link. He, we'll post it. He went on to say um, that uh, um, DeSantis' this DEI efforts were an attempt to impose an ideology. Ideologic. No, I'm saying that wrong. Ideology. No. 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 Ideologic. Ideological. They, thank you. Agenda on students and I'm faculty the one. and promote. Wait, no, wait. And promote exclusion and discrimination. Exclusion how? Listen, so here's the thing. White people have always been included. They have been at the pinnacle of every fucking conversation that's ever been had in this country in regards to power, in regards to laws, in regards to the way things were, in regards to having generational wealth, in regards to being able to walk through life in a way that doesn't have to have you look behind your back at people that are trying to to decimate who you are as an individual. So how exactly? My my thing is this, it's like we all have that right. We all have that inherent life to come to America or be born in America and live a life in where you are free to be who you are, believe what you want to believe, practice the religion that you want to practice and live, you know, have the American dream, which is life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. We're all that is our, ele- oh God, inalienable right. Did I say so, that right? Yeah. So, <laughs> but what we need to think about is how long ago did we start talking about the don't say gay bell? Um, that was probably about three years ago. No, God, no. That was probably like a year, year and a half ago, two years. Don't forget that this has been an ongoing thing since COVID. Okay. Well, my point. We're in 2023. My point is now we have we have a bill that was signed mm-hmm. that is targeting you know communities of color mm-hmm. um, that is now called um, you know DEI is now called discrimination in Florida, right. um, which mm, not really check the definition. Um, but the reality is when we look at what happened with. Don't say gay. And now it's expansion through high school. Right. And now college. And now affecting colleges that are funded by the state. So mm-hmm. only state schools. Right. Um, 
we are looking at someone who's building a blueprint. Right. Building a blueprint that other states can follow to continue in this hate, hate, hateful rhetoric. But I ask you this, and why do you think that the target specifically is um, state colleges? Because they have no control over private colleges. Right. They don't have control over private colleges, but the majority of individuals who are um, affected are those that live in minority communities that can most often only afford to go to state college because they either have a grant or because, you know, the money makes sense for them to be able to get a legitimate education in a reputable institution that allows them to move forward in life. But the reason why he does it is because the majority of the people that are affected by bills like this are people of color, people who are in marginalized communities that can only attend state college. He's literally trying to like lift white people back up. Of course. Not that, not that we were never, not that we were ever put down, but I feel like there's a contingency of, of um, my, you know, how do I say this? There's a contingency of white people, white people that are threatened by DEI. They're threatened by the, concept or the idea of systemic racism because they don't take the time to learn what it actually is right systemic racism isn't doesn't mean that you're a racist just because you're white what it means is that you inherited racism right because you inherited privilege right but and if you don't but, acknowledge that but it's not only about privilege you, you also have to understand that one of the biggest components of systemic racism is the fact that you have White people, no offense. I'm not taking offense. I'm talking about it. Actively putting systems into place to oppress people of color, to oppress minorities. And that includes gerrymandering. Of course, gerrymandering. And, you know, it includes being able to apply for a loan at a bank to be able to buy a house. But your interest rate is much higher because you are a person of color than one that would be afforded to someone who is not a person of color. Um, it, it, it also, um, for example, gives you an opportunity to only secure enough funds to be able to buy in a specific neighborhood. Right. So they're they're literally. Mm-hmm funneling you into a a high poverty neighborhood or a neighborhood that's high in crime because they believe that that is all that you can afford based on the color of your skin based on your your demographics based on the fact that you might be lgbtq plus based on the fact that you might be hispanic or based on the fact that you might be black and let me say like to be you know here in connecticut um, and in more liberal states and with a lot of corporations, I have been hearing and seeing a lot of programs that are being put in place mm-hmm. for uh, small business owners of color, for individuals of color. You know, even when it comes to like we, the theater itself that I work for lost funding because they switched their funding to literally educating um, you know, financial growth and wealth for individuals of color and funding that month, like literally putting money into programs that help people that don't 
have the means to help right. themselves. And I, you know, like, I'm not mad about that. Like, I'll find funding somewhere else. Like, that is something that's important. And I will say, like, all these corporations, all these foundations that are mm-hmm. shifting their funding or making making room to actually provide this help right. to these, or to these, you know, communities, these marginalized communities, like, fucking more, more power to you. Secondly, stop, pull out of fucking states if you're a corporation, pull out of fucking states where they're literally doing shit like this. I agree. If you agree. have a Bank of America, if you have a Liberty Bank, if you have all these big ass fucking national banks, pull out of your state. What the fuck are you gonna do? Exactly. And you know, money talks. Like yeah, you but, need but, action. But you and you also got to look at a lot of these companies that are there is because of the, you know, those special deals mm-hmm. that are given to them to come into the state. Right? right, so they're gonna have certain wages or exemptions, I should say, in place for them to be there. You know, case in point. Even though he's at war with the mouse, look at Walt Disney World. Right, mm-hmm. they had all these all these specific, you know, policies and and things in place right. so that the company wouldn't just root up and leave. It's right. bringing a lot of money into the state. And here's the thing. Disney has been having Gay Disney Day mm-hmm. since well, the I think 90s. It's a week, but yeah. What used to be just one day. What, yeah. what, what really scares me when about, it started. This, about this is that right. it actually, one, happened, but two, the fact that somebody who could be a potential presidential candidate mm-hmm. um, signed something into law and actually has his constituents behind him. I mean, like, He's literally trying to erase all of this amazing work that we have done when it comes to DEI and saying that this, you know, this movement is coming to an end. Well, guess what, motherfucker? It's not fucking coming to an end. But guess who is coming to an end? I'm the sanctimonious. But here's the thing. He's also not only is he trying to erase this movement that is just absolutely amazing that gives everyone um in an equal uh, level ground to be able to fight for what they believe is theirs and what they have a right to fight for um i a lot of what he's doing too is trying to um whitewash history trying to erase a history that actually happened that no matter what you decide to throw at it you can pass all the laws you want in the world black is black it happened black people were here Black people were slaves. Black people went through hell. Uh, Reconstruction didn't work. Um, you know, after you know the emancipation of, of of black people in this country, and it doesn't matter what you try to do, what you try to hide, you can't hide the fact that history exists, that history has been documented, and that's the reason why we have so many uh, different types of uh, of documentation and literature on the subject. And no matter what you do, it's still going to exist. It's still going to be there. Uh, you know. It's interesting to me that, you know, certain states, you you, said, you mentioned that, you know, what, what he's doing is creating a map, a blueprint for other states to follow. And here's, here's what I say to those states. What I say is this, good luck, because it doesn't matter if your population is 95% white or, you know, you have 40% you know, black and brown people or people of other ethnicities, it's going to fail because it is inevitable. It is the tide is turning. 
people of color in this country have found a way to exercise their right to avoid a voice, something that mm-hmm. we've done in history and history has a, ten, a tendency to repeat itself. You know, when you think about the civil rights movement, right? That was so impactful because people got together and they did not want to allow the white man to intimidate their voice. And while we may have in some way, shape or form in these recent years forgotten what that was like, it's coming. So, and it will continue to come and it will continue to happen. And let me pose a question. Yes. So when it comes to teaching history, mm-hmm. um, this law also demands um, general education courses to not um, distort significant historical events. Okay. Or include curriculum mm-hmm. that teaches ident- identity politics based on theories of systemic racism. Okay. Sexism, oppression, privilege, and inherent in institutions of the United States and were created to maintain social, political, and economic inequalities. So, I mean, so how do you teach history? So, one of the first things that literally, that, no, like, how do you teach history? You can't because you're literally just saying you cannot teach anything. It's literally like a race. There were black people, a race. Puerto Ricans are now Americans. Erase. Women never had the right to vote. Women never went through the suffragette movement. No, women always had the right to vote. Well, you know, or women, you know, don't have a right to decide what happens with their uterus, according to the Supreme Court. You know, there is a lot of things that happen. But but here is, for, for those of you who have jumped on board and you live in a state in where um, they allow DE&I to drive a very important part of the conversations and everything that happens, I, I, I will give you a little story. Before... We, as an organization, the organization that I work for, and I'm not going to mention any names, had um, a, a very deep dive into DE&I. Um, I was the first individual in the entire company who was asked a question, and I bravely, braved, bravely went on there and talked about who I am as a gay person and why I was supporting an organization that... Um, you know, I believed did really great work in, in our community. And so our company decided that they were going to open a um, foundation. Well, and they were soliciting employees to bring forth and nominate institutions or nonprofit organizations that would benefit from what this foundation can bring um, as far as change towards a community. And I nominated the Pride Center in New Haven and it was chosen and they received a sizable amount of money to go towards um, their everyday workings to be able to have um, education towards, you know, LGBTQ plus rights, the community, youth, all of these different things were, were benefited by the fact that I made the conscious choice to, although everybody at work knew that I was a flamer, I was a queer walking down the hallways. I couldn't tell. Oh, please. <laughs> I decided to take that step and do it. And eventually, literally like the following year, I was approached and said, hey, we want to start uh, what we call ERGs or uh, employee resource groups or BRGs, business resource groups for employees. For, for the public, affinity groups. Affinity groups, right. 
um, in where it would allow you as an individual of a specific community to have a voice and to be able to uh, to to vocalize um, things that you find in the workplace that are not kosher that you would like to see change. That but it's you beyond would like that, to, though. It's way beyond that because it's not just about like what you find as a as a worker in the workplace. It's what you find within your affinity group. If you are in an African American affinity affinity group, or for you are in a gay affinity group, it's about how you perceive the workplace as an LGBTQI individual and how that affects your work of moving course. forward. And of cor- that's what's so powerful yes. about those groups. Exactly. Because it gives the group and the person a voice a to voice. say, I feel this way when I'm in this situation, right. or I feel this way when right. I'm in this room, and this needs to change. So in the middle of a pandemic, um, I was approached and said, hey, we want to start an affinity group. I understand you're a member of the LGBTQ plus oh, community. so good, girl. I, um, and, and I said, okay, well, you know, what exactly are you, tell me exactly what it is that, we're, that we are allowed to do. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do with my voice? How am I going to affect change? And how are we going to move forward with... Um, so can I ask you both? Yes. Because you both work in the similar vein, a, a similar... Yeah. Similar, in, similar yeah. institution. Yeah. Right. Um, what did that do for morale? What did that do for um, the organization as a whole moving forward? So there's so many dynamics. So we only had one business resource group that existed at the time. And that was one that was geared towards the advancement of women in the workforce, which is very important. Oh, 100%. You know, there's pay gap inequalities and, you know, trying to advance the fact that women can lead organizations and be successful and have meaningful careers, even though they can also be mothers. They can also be women and go through cramps and periods and all that stuff. And it's not all about women being emotional. And we had very important conversations on how women Women really change the landscape of work for the better. Mm-hmm. And then we said, okay, fine. Why don't we just throw an affinity group for gay people, right? There weren't many of us that were out and open at work. And I said, oh, you want to give me a platform? Girl, you have no they idea. Gave what you a mic. <laughs> they, they gave, gave her a mic. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and we started our group in the middle of a pandemic. It was all through, you know, electronic means. We were all vi- meeting via video and we opened up a Pandora's box. Mm-hmm. And I remember year one, it was 2020. We couldn't meet in person. And I had made the suggestion Hey, we're a group. Are we are we saying that the company supports LGBTQ plus people? All right, let's raise the flag in our headquarters. I want to see that rainbow flag. How did that feel? It felt great. It felt amazing. But here's the thing: we didn't have a flag. We didn't know where to order one. We didn't know what <laughs> that was my flag. I think I gave it to you. So no, bitch, it was my flag. So we didn't know what was going to happen, right? So we were like, all right, well, how do we do this? And there's not enough time to order a flag. And who's going to be there? And what kind of leadership support are we going to have? And they were like, all right, well, I don't have a flag. And I said, well, I do, and I have one at home. And I'll be more than proud to bring it here and see it raised in our headquarters. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And one of the very first celebrations on June 1st of 2020 that we did, we had to mask 
very few of us, we had to test negative. It was in the middle of, of a pandemic. Um, we had to test negative. We had to make sure that we weren't doing crazy things. And mm-hmm. we all met. We met outdoors. We raised the flag. And for me, that was, I was like, oh, my God. I am standing in a place of my employment where I have been 12 years mm-hmm. at that time. And I am watching my personal gay flag being raised. But doesn't that make you feel... The point, the point that I'm trying to make here is, it made me feel great. But rein- I cried. But you, but it's almost like you're reinvested in, in the company, that, in the culture. Yeah, in the company, in the culture mm-hmm. that supports you. It's like the company, you know, the people that are surround. Like so, on a broader scale, when we look at Florida, right? When we look at DeSantis, and we think about these kids, or we think about anybody. Who is now not only being marginalized, but being told again that they're less than and again that their stories don't matter. It's hard. That's why this work is important. And that's why DEI is not going away. Well, I will tell you. You don't think that if he runs again, he'll he'll get office again? Oh, yeah, I think he will. It's Florida. I think he will. So here's the thing, though. So when we started the group, there was only 20 of us. And there were a lot more um supporters or allies than there were gay people in the group because some of the other people individuals in different areas of our company were afraid to say hey i'm going to join this group and i'm going to out myself to my coworkers my peers etc and when we had our first celebration it's a very small group of us yep. and we raised that flag jay was there as if there were thousands of people there with us mm-hmm. And the very next year, we raised the flag again, but not at one location, at every single location that we had that had a flagpole raised the LGBTQ plus flag. See, and that's fucking amazing. And hundreds of people showed up to support us. So it wasn't like Trump's... um, No, (laughs) no, it it was hundreds of people showed up. And we had... Um, w- it was impressionable because, you know, with the f- having the fir- I mean, yeah, we were in the in the pandemic, right? So that was kind of understandable a bit, but the second go around and you see the the turnout, um, the turnout, and it 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 was a bit like you had to step back and were like, holy shit! And not only really was happening. it just workers, you know what I mean, and allies. The executive leadership showed up in a way that it was just fucking incredible. I mean, yeah. the CEO of the company was there. Yeah. He came and gave a speech. He bought pizza for everybody. He ordered, like, I can't believe yeah. how many pizzas there were there. And we had tables lined with LGBTQ plus flags, and we had lanyards, and we had stickers, and we had everything that you can think of. And and then, you know, we started having really important conversations. Um shortly after that celebration. And one of those were, okay, I feel, especially me, that now the place that I work for supports me wholeheartedly as a human being. I'm seen. I don't have to come and work and wave my gay flag every day and say I'm gay, 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 but I can come to work as my authentic self and not have to look behind my shoulder and worry about what what's going to happen to me at work. Am I going to get fired today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we start having important conversations. Okay, so if you support our community, it's not just gay men. 
it's not just, you know, effeminate men or straight acting men, but what are we going to do for our trans community? What are we going to do for our non-binary folks? How are we going to incorporate gender neutral bathrooms in buildings that we're currently building in? How are we going to work with affiliates and partners, for example, like insurance companies to ensure that our employees who are applying for work, who are coming to work for us, or who currently work for us, have the support medically and from an insurance perspective that they need to be able to to live a life that's healthy. Like, for example, make sure that if we're signing up with an insurance company, that that insurance covers PrEP 100%. Yeah. Right? Or make sure that if you're signing on with an insurance company, that this insurance company is on board with, for example, gender reaffirming care. So, yes. So all of this work that you guys are doing is the point of the conversation. Exactly. And so to see a state, a whole entire state, take an entire population and subject them to whitewashing and to silencing voices that ordinarily would be incredible to me is just asinine and people like Ron DeSantis honestly should never be allowed to run for office and should be shunned I think you know it's a step back too it's not just him it's like how did it get to his desk it got to his desk because he gave it a platform and the thing is 100%. we're living in a, in in a day and age in where dump made it okay to air your grievances about things that you feel took your power away. And ordinarily, before that, it wouldn't have been okay. People were sort of kind of kept that shit to themselves. I mean, my whole thing with, and what I'm going to, you know, end my whole rant on with this whole story is, you know, if you feel threatened by DEI work, check your privilege, and here's why. On Monday... When I was sitting in that room, watching this beautiful, amazing, talented, black bombshell of a woman perform, and I was sitting next to my coworker who was also black, she said something. She said, American history is, um, is also African-American history. And my first reaction was to yell, clap my hands and scream. And I look to the left of me and my coworker is in the feels. But because I've never experienced that with the exception of like LGBTQ history, I was just cheering for the comment instead of like acknowledging what somebody's going through. And if we don't take a moment to look at Everyone around us and the communities that lift us up, the communities that provide so much for us, we're doing a disservice to ourselves and to everyone around us. This work is important. It is. And the people that we surround ourselves are and surround ourselves with are important. And if you don't have the balls to surround yourself that doesn't look like you, then you're not a fucking human to me. Right. Because people that don't look like you, people that are different from you, will challenge you and will help you grow. I agree. We're going to close on that. I think nothing else is left to be said. Unless, Jay, you have anything you want to add to the conversation? No, I'm good. 
Right. That was a lot. That was a lot said. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm all teary. Well, uh, understood. Understandable. <laughs> it's fuck you to Santa. <laughs> <laughs> Trump lights an asshole. <laughs> so, um, I, Trump lights an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Trump lights an asshole. Um, you know, it's like they say, you know, what goes up must come down. Um, and that's, and that's a hundred percent accurate. Um, you know, we're seeing all this nonsense happening now and it's tough because right. uh, we see how our brothers and sisters are being affected. Um, and people that we really and, care and, about. Yeah. And people we care about and people we love that are there that, that are being affected by this nonsense. But, mm-hmm. you know, he, he he's not going to be there forever. Unfortunately, this is kind of like a wait and see, mm-hmm. you know, um, will there be more Republicans in charge? Possibly. Will they be as crazy as this nut job? Probably not. You uh, know what I mean? Yep. There, there's change coming. It's definitely coming down, down, down the pike. Um, just you know, a matter of time. Yeah, it's a matter of time, and it yeah. kind of sucks to say sit and wait. But right now we're hey, dealing with dealing with this nut job, and mm-hmm. it is what it is. He's the one they elected. I just see that. You know, I foresee it. Um, and you're, you know, and I asked the question earlier, do you think he'll be reelected? And you guys both agreed. I think so. But, yeah. But I, I say yes, only because of where, where, where it is, a, yeah. where he is. But because of all these changes that he's done and, and has I, made, I think there's going to be a, a shift. I think there's going to be coming. a huge economic a huge effect. Shift. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. The economy is going to take a big hit. You know, right. we were talking about earlier when we were talking about me traveling and I was like, yeah, I got a bunch of offers from Florida. Yeah, but that's the and thing, though. I was though. like, fuck that shit. I'm not going there, not not because of what they're doing. But that's the thing. Why do you have to wait for it to affect your wallet yeah. before you can, you know, that, decide that you want to be a decent human being? Because well, that's yeah. what fucking people, that, that's what yeah. matters. Yeah. The, the bottom line is what really fuck. Why do you think the fucking NRA has so much sway? It's because the bottom line matters. They yeah. give so much fucking money to these Republican politicians, and if they vote yes on common sense gun reform, they're going to lose their fucking funding. Right. Yeah. The bottom line matters. Yeah. Yeah. And their lack of balls so, too. So, I mean, so. it's it's you know it's a matter of time, unfortunately, but um, those changes are coming. So I think, and I think, the bottoms matter, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they do. So I think very quickly, two minutes. I think that each and every one of us have been. Um, have felt the effects of effects, not it's not an affect, it's an effect of DEI. Um, in 30 seconds or less, tell me how DEI has affected you, whether positive or negative. Jay, uh, positively, definitely. I mean, uh, again, we spoke about our uh place of employment. I mean, it's not like I'm running around, <laughs> uh, you know, introducing myself as hey, I'm Javier, I'm by by the way, you know what I mean, but. Right. Um, I'm I'm comfortable where I'm at. Uh, you know, I'm, I recently became part of the uh, group. Uh, so, you know, that's another plus for me, which I enjoy. It's something different, something new, a new challenge. Uh, but I think, you know, all, all in all, uh, the fact that it has grown so rapidly uh, shows me that there's a lot of change that's still coming. And I think that's that's a plus for us. Amazing. Absolutely. What about you, Trash? I don't know. That's a tough one. It's hard to be honest with you. It's hard being a white guy 
who wants to champion so hard the people that he cares about. Right. And seeing them hurt is really tough because I'm seeing their hurt, but I've never experienced it. But you're experiencing it through them. So you are experiencing it. I think think you don't experience it firsthand, but a lot of times when you do experience it secondhand, it gives you a reality check. It makes me realize how much they mean to me. Yeah. How much I love them and how much I just want to keep fighting for them, you know, because I think this shit is bullshit. It's our responsibility. We should. And we love you. Okay, you gotta stop this shit. Well, um, I will say in less than thirty seconds. For me, I think the most most rewarding part of of being able to be a part of an organization that offers um, that that focuses on DE and I is the fact that I get to come to work every day and be my authentic self, one hundred percent me. I don't have to be anybody else. Um, I can sashay my way down the hallway. I call me she all the time to my call work, co-workers, and they're like, who are you talking about? In the third person. I, all the time. I'm like, you know, she is just, she's going through it. She goes like, who? Uh, who? Who's she? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was talking about you. Yeah. <laughs> my straight I, boss. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and um, I, I have been very fortunate in, 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 in my space. Um, and, I, I feel not only that in the sense of community. So during this whole endeavor of being able to start this this um, affinity group, um, I had an opportunity to not only work with the people that I work with closely every day, but work with other individuals in other different locations all over the country. And we have formed a family. And we are a very, very, very strong LGBTQ plus family that um is making change for the better and having the important conversations not only for us but for everyone that we work that works with us and so um for me that's that is the important importance of having uh, a huge focus by corporations like the ones that i work for that focus on diversity equity and inclusion so that being said, um, it's time to wrap it up, ladies. So I'm going to toss it over to Trish because he's got a Mama Kim's Minute. Off to you. All right, everybody. Here's Mama Kim's Minute. Number one, the 15 best LGBTQ plus movies to stream on Prime. Number two, Chastin Buttigieg made Drew Barrymore cry by describing his small town childhood. Mm. Number three, Elliot Page shares shirtless selfie celebrating the joy he feels after gender affirming care. Awesome. Beautiful. And uh, Trish, I'm no, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's up to you. All right. On this day in gay history. (laughs) Grish. This day in gay history brought to you by Gay Talk 2.0. May 17th, of course, 2009 in Russia, a rainbow flash mob in St. Petersburg, organized by the International Day Against Homophobia, Russian LGBT network this evening brings together 100 to 250 people in St. Petersburg. Other small actions take place in 30 other cities throughout Russia. The the organizers considered it to be the largest LGBT rights demonstration in Russian history. No arrests were made. That was 2009. Jumpstart six years later. And uh, their version of Don't Say Gay, the the gay propaganda law went into place. Don't look gay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's. Don't get caught. 
Don't get caught. That's all we got to say. All right. Well, uh, Jaybird, over to you. Okay, NJ. Okay. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your social podcasting service. By subscribing, you get the latest and greatest of our show delivered right to your favorite device or web browser as soon as the episodes are published or is published. You can also support us on Patreon. With Patreon, you, our listeners, can help to support the show with a pledged donation. The donations are collected monthly and can be in any denomination of a dollar or more. All right. Trish, Do we have anything next week? No, not next week. All right. So the dish it is. Yes. Um, so this is uh, time. Whoa. Uh, so get the future method. <laughs> and I'm, My love. I didn't get my love. Uh, yeah, that's right. what happened. So get the future method and all other products today. These products will help Republicans and bigots clean out their assholes and loosen up a bit. All products are doctor developed. You can clean out without hurting your bum. Take confidence anywhere you go. Even into those hotel rooms, we all know you're on Grinder with the anal powder packs. And now increase your stretch goals. Yes, DeSantis, your stretch goals with the three piece anal glass dilation kit. But we all know you only need the biggest one. So visit futuremethod.com to purchase your life changing bum cleanser or accessory today. And we can guarantee they're all, all of them, homophobia free. Homophobia free for All sure. Right. Uh, and as always, it is time to put a ring on it. Why? Uh, why are we still putting a ring on it? Because do you uh, have your cock ring on, by the way? No, not today. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, yeah, think about it for a minute. <laughs> our show is available on our website, GayTalk20.com, under audio podcast. It is also available as a free download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher Radio. Nick. All right, you can find us on social media, Facebook, Gay Talk 2.0, Instagram, Gay Talk 2.0. You can email us at gaytalk2.0 at gaytalk20.com. Tom, it's your turn. All right, we're going to try it. Well, ladies and gents, I want to thank you all for uh, joining us on today's show. If you need to contact us, just head on over to our website, click on the Contact Us tab, which is located at the top of the web browser. There you can leave comments, you can you know suggest topics, submit a question for the cast, or an individual host. You can also call us and leave us your questions via voice message, which we can answer for you on the show. The phone number is 334-GAY-TALK. And if you need all those digits, it is 334-429-8255. Don't forget that we do stream live every Wednesday. At 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can access the live stream by visiting gaytalk20.com forward slash live stream. With that, ladies and gents, that is our show. Thank you, and y'all have a good night. Bye! Thank you for listening to this episode of Gay Talk 2.0. Tune in next time for more Dish. 